I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. Folks, the platform of your performance is health, all created by a smart training program and some positive supportive habits. But a super way to define your focus and to optimize your results is take a look inside. With Inside Tracker, you can understand your biometric profile and, along with their teams, expert doctors, age specialists, and nutritionists, you can create a strategic roadmap to boost your health. Why don't you do what Purple Patch athletes do? Take a look inside. All you need to do, head to insidetracker.com slash purplepatchpodcast, and you can go there and enter the code purplepatchpro 25 that's purple patch pro 25 and you'll get 25 percent off everything in the store all right it's a goodie today let's get on with the show we're talking about cold weather training and welcome to the purple patch podcast as ever your host matt dixon and folks it's chilly times So says the man who recently returned from a lovely training camp in Hawaii. But yes, most of us are in the midst of winter, and it means that you are facing a lot of training in cold conditions. And so I thought today we would dig in to provide some advice and counsel on how to leverage those conditions for your longer-term favor. Now, there are two parts in today's shows. The first is how to set up your training when you are outside in the cold, and then to balance it out, how to optimize your indoor training options so that you can ensure that you get longer term gains. Both of these are important pillars and it's also critical for both fitness enthusiasts as athletes alike. And it's a good one. I hope the education warms your heart. Super. But before we dig in, should we do a little squatty update? Yes, the squatty update, and you might remember if you're a loyal listener to the show that a few weeks back we outlined a stark truth that the fitness industry was broken. Way too much randomness and a la carte programming, and that approach has left many people, lots of folks, perhaps yourself, really frustrated with plateaus, injuries, burnout, not the sort of thing that we want to yield from hard work and effort. Far from us to just sit on our high horse and complain all day, we decided to do something about it. Now, here was our thinking. At Purple Patch, we know how to train athletes that are seeking really high performance. Our pedigree sort of shows that. We also know that there are a large group of folks out there who really value coaching and they really want proper training, but aren't necessarily identifiers as been a serious athlete. And these folks we see, we talk to them, are often frustrated or confused on how should we best approach our exercise. These folks want to train for life and they don't want to sit and enjoy amongst life of an elite athlete. And we get it. And so we thought, hang on, we know how to do this at a high performance level, but we also appreciate what you're looking for. You want to thrive, improve, but also 
excel in life. And we thought, hmm, you know what? We can help. And so we took the baseline methods of coaching world-class athletes, combined it with our knowledge around all of the key supporting habits in things like sleep, recovery, nutrition, and then built a program anchored in the same tenets that allowed so many time-starved folks to achieve personal greatness in triathlon, but built it around two other elements, running and cycling. And from this has emerged our two new programs, Bike Squad and Run Squad. Now, both of these can be leveraged by really pretty serious athletes if they would like, but equally, the programs are massively powerful for folks who are just looking to improve in those disciplines or perhaps just training for life. They equally have fully integrated education as well as video-based strength and conditioning sessions and a whole host of supporting elements around core and mobility training. Good, you need that, so that's important. Both of the programs are anchored around a community of like-minded folk and also equally deliver you some great access to some cracking experts in their fields so that you can improve and thrive across all aspects of life. And also both Bike Squad and Run Squad are powered by video and real coaching. It isn't just prescription and go away and do it. We want to actually help you do it right. And video coaching is critical to that element, no matter where you live and where you are geographically. Now, as you can tell, we're really excited. And if you'd like to give it a crack, reach out to us. Have a little poke around on the program formats. It's all easily accessible from the front page of purplepatchfitness.com. Or if you want to have a chat or you want to ask other questions, reach out to us directly, info at purplepatchfitness.com. And that is our squatty update for the week. All right, let's have a quick timeout right now. We need to do one of those promotional things. You know, got to get the show all fueled up and everything. Yes, got to do my duty, guys, but I'm proud to do my duty because I really value this partnership. I want to tell you a little story. We have been partnered with Inside Tracker for several months now, and many Purple Patch athletes have benefited from the insights and recommendations from the team there. But we've had some really, really interesting and important insights for a sprinkling of athletes, and I want to tell you about it. You see, from the outside, these healthy folk, and there were three to four of them, after utilizing Inside Tracker, we were able to identify and flag some key health parameters that without the insights were completely undetectable. We had two heart issues, one athlete with incredibly high cholesterol, while always outside looking very healthy, you would never would have guessed it. These types of components that are really important things for our life. Now, all of these folks are now on a path to improvement and treatment, but goodness me, Thank goodness that we had Inside Tracker and their insights. And so today, it's kind of heartfelt. If you really care about performance, it's a wonderful service for you to leverage. But particularly as the focus on this isn't just about functioning in the same way that so much of the medical industry is, instead, it's about you thriving. And so if you're interested in learning more, it's not such a bad thing to do. You should head to insidetracker.com slash purplepatchpodcast and simply use the code purplepatchpro25. You get 25% off everything. And I hope 
that what we're talking about and discussing is just a little bit of focus on the key areas to make you thrive, have more energy. But on the off chance that there is something there, it might be able to identify and flag for you to then go and find some really professional help with your doctor. Let's hope it's not the case, but hey, I'd rather know and improve than I would not know and see what happens. Okay, back to the show, and it's a good one this week, and it is now time for my favorite section of the show because we get to wiggle the hips. Barry, over to you and your ukulele. Folks, it's Word of the Week. We like the way he thinks, serious with the way. Let's open the book. It's time to take a peek. It's the Dictionary Word of the Week. Yes, it's Word of the Week, and this week, body clock. Body clock, ooh, sounds intriguing. It is, because I want to give you a little performance tip for you folks who are looking to prioritize or maybe improve your sleep. You see, it turns out that a fair amount of your sleep quality and your ease of falling asleep at night has a lot to do with what you do in the morning. Your very first actions that you take when you wake up can trigger your all-important body clock that will help, if you do it right, ease you into downtime and restful sleep later in that evening. And so take advantage of a few very simple daily actions that are going to help you promote better sleep quality at night. All right. So as we do with much of sleep, today's advice is all anchored around light movement, and temperature. Three things that we always come back to with sleep, it seems. Here's what I want to tell you. When you first wake up in the morning, you want to ensure that you communicate to your brain that it is in time to wake up. And so with that, get outside and get into the light. Yes, get some real daylight to get you going. Now, if you wake up pre-dawn, And then I would advise you to get the lights on as bright as possible, as soon as possible. That optic nerve of yours coming from your eye, wired straight into the brain, receives the light and it triggers the brain to begin the rhythm that will signal the commencement of downturn later in the day. Now what you want to do is add movement to this. You want to get your core temperature up and the blood moving. And this is one of the many reasons that I'm a big fan of morning workouts. When you combine movement and light, boom, you set the day off right. Now, finally, what else would I add? Well, some nice hot liquid. That's going to assist your core temperature raise. And perhaps that's a coffee or a cup of tea. But it is your ultimate add-on to this that becomes really powerful. How about a little social engagement? We are social beings and an enjoyable interaction is a wonderful kickoff to the day, but also triggers the circadian rhythm to enhance a natural slowdown when you really want it later in the day. What you're really doing, folks, is you're just working with your body clock. And that is why it is our word of the week this week. (sighs) Your sleep patterns become so much more predictable. Just a little performance tip for you. Okay, now, chilly willy, cold weather training. Should we get tucked in? Yes, it is time for the meat and potatoes.
Yes, the meat and potatoes, and we talk all about cold weather. Let's just say that no matter what your training journey is, it's unlikely that you get to train in ideal conditions every single day. And as we edge towards the end of January, you might still be navigating some short days, dark mornings, and very cold weather as you build into your 2022 big hairy audacious goals yes a season of performance that's what we are collectively after whether you're a fitness enthusiast or of course you're an athlete and if it is the case that you're navigating the dark and cold today is for you how do you optimize and think about cold weather training as well as some ideas of optimizing the tools that you have inside that can assist you and become really valuable in your training pursuit And so let's get rolling, and we're going to break this into two sections. We're going to talk about outdoor training first and going around that anchor, and then we're going to finish up with some indoor training advice. And so we begin with outdoor training. Let's first establish something helpful, which is that under the assumption you are dressed appropriately, cold weather and temperatures can be much less of a performance inhibitor for folks compared to maybe you dancing into high, high heat and humidity. Yes, you can gain high quality training within cold climates. It's just not always ideal or pleasant. But here is my quick list to consider when tackling really cold temperatures. The first is the most obvious you really want to dress for it. Yes, appropriate clothing is indeed really important. And I recommend that you ensure that you have the highest quality gear options available for you so that you can facilitate your sessions going well. And there are a few considerations when you think about this. How do you get dressed for the occasion? I can't help with the fancy dinners, but I can help with cold weather training. The first, performance fabrics. Guess what? They actually work. With so many gimmicks in the performance world, it would be so easy to assume that the specifically designed fabrics for cold conditions are maybe exaggerated, but it actually turns out that they carry real weight. Yes, replacing your cotton with performance wool or other synthetic fabrics designed for purpose can have and will have a massive impact on your temperature regulation and comfort. So the first thing is, yeah, it is something that you can actually throw a little bit of money at. Great. Now, when you're considering these, I would ensure that you get breathable fabrics. This is a key consideration. Unless you are operating in very wet conditions, you really want to ensure that your apparel options are breathable and can release the heat that you're generating from your hard work. You see, trapped heat, turns into sweat and moisture. It makes you wet, wet as a cat. And then your core temperature starts to drop. And guess what? Suddenly, you're freezing. And so, instead, seek breathable, warm performance fabrics. As I say this, I would add that a windbreak is often quite a high-value addition to your breathable fabrics and goes on top but you typically want to avoid one of those full-blooded waterproofing type jackets unless it's really, really raining. You need some extreme conditions to benefit from full-blooded waterproofing because that waterproofing is indeed a heat trapper. Okay, next up on your fabrics, getting dressed for it, embrace your layers. 
Now, you don't need to, and in fact, you don't want to go out and look like a sheep that is readying for shearing. Yes, one big woolly sweater ain't going to do the job, ladies and gentlemen. Instead, you want to embrace many layers that provide a simple thing, control. With layers, you have control over temperature regulation. And this is really important if you might go through different temperatures, depending on the cover, the elevation, the wind, etc. And so layers are really, really important. Next up on the conditions around dressing for it are your extremities. There is absolutely no point keeping your core temperature up if you have really, really cold fingers and toes. And so I would recommend that you consider getting really dialed in with high quality socks and gloves. The truth of it is that very cold extremities are a day ender for many, many folks. And so, yes, wrap up, get your fingers and toes really, really cozy and warm. And finally, when it comes to apparel, you're noggin. Often forgotten, but a massive amount of heat is lost through coming through your head. And so it can make all the difference in the world if you have coverage around both the ears and your head, often equipping you to really extend your stay outside, but also enabling you to focus on the high value work that you want to get done. Okay, now, if you get all of these things right, you are by definition something wonderful, and that's dressed for success. But it certainly isn't all that you want to consider. The second area of attack that you should consider when you're approaching cold weather training is what we might label mixing it up. You see, I believe the winter months are a great time to leverage some of the cross-pollination that some sports have with each other's. Now, this might be your focus, but if you're a cyclist or a runner, you have options, real options, winter options. Cross-country skiing, as well as alpine skiing, are perhaps the king and queens of this. They both develop great cardiovascular conditioning as well as muscular endurance. And the muscle groups that you develop are exactly the same. In other words, a direct crossover to sports like cycling and running. So there's nothing wrong with you leaning into some of these really fun winter ski activities. I would add to this hiking snowshoeing, both super options for some really safe and low impact tissue resilience and conditioning. Now, often these types of activities become afterthoughts. Ah, there's not much point in really going for a hike. It's too easy. But these same folks really underestimate the wonderful foundational impact that these activities can have. And then finally, for cyclists that really love or are training for road cycling or triathlon, well, winter is a wonderful venue to get the opportunity to get off of the road bike, off of the time trial bike, and actually integrate some mountain biking or gravel riding. Even at nighttime, you can start to execute some of this if you have the proper high-end lighting system on your bicycle. The slower speeds of these two riding modalities, as well as the often protection of the trees and the environment, often make them immensely more enjoyable, but also more viable for many people. And the good news is both of these activities provide an environment that absolutely forces you to strengthen and improve your muscular resilience, are gonna guide you into hitting some appropriate high-end intensity and power, 
as well as improve your bike handling skills. Yes, going off-road typically helps you become a better cyclist on the road. And so in the winter months, use this combination. So now what we have is you dress for success and embracing a little bit of a mix-up. All good stuff so far. But now we want to think about your insides. What's going on inside? And there are a few important elements to consider around fueling and hydration, particularly when you're training outside in the cold weather. First, you cool and warm from the inside out. So it's not such a bad thing if you're training outside in cool conditions to add some warmer liquids to your bottles. It's a nice way to keep your core temperature up and it's a little bit more pleasant. It's not only a treat, but absolutely helps you retain your warmth. There's a physiological component, but also a psychological component. And guess what? It works. It's enjoyable. Fantastic. The second component is a bit more basic, but just as important. You need to ensure that you remember to actually eat and drink. So many athletes forget fueling and hydration in cold weather. And a part of the reason for that is the signals of thirst and hunger are always diminished in colder conditions. And so I would recommend that you have a planned framework of fueling and hydration to ensure that you're not only avoiding compromising your performance, but also ensuring that you're not impacting your ability to recover and gain adaptations from the training that you're doing. You want to do the work, but you want to improve from that work as well. And finally, cold conditions and winter training is a wonderful time for you to actually lean into consuming real food. Now, this is going to stem for some upcoming advice in a few minutes around your training setup. But over the course of winter training, I'm going to recommend that saving a lot of your interval type work for the inside type of training. And that means that by definition, a lot of your outside exercise and training is going to be more endurance focused, more soul filling, a little bit more tour like in nature. In other words, I give you license to go and play and be willing to lose a little bit of the specificity of structured intervals. You're going to do those inside. And that means that your cold weather training doesn't have the same demand for highly focused, structured, fueling sessions. Now, I'm going to go into why I recommend this in the next section of the show. But it's enough to say that within this framework, it shifts your fueling needs. You can have less sugar, a little less of a sugar focus at least, and it opens up the wide world of a little bit more real food. That can include dried fruit, trail mix, sandwiches, peanut butters and jelly, whatever it is. But go and embrace other fuel sources that are a wonderful option for much of your winter training. Oh, by the way, it's much better for your teeth as well. All right. So the final piece of your outside training is what your focus should be. Now, after managing many years of experience and athletes who are operating in colder conditions, I tend to stray away towards having too much of the training being high intensity intervals, what I just talked about. Instead, I really like a lot of playful, soul-filling, tour-like training. The caveat for this would be intervals that you might integrate into some specific winter sports, such as going up in cross-country skiing or 
alpine climbing and skiing as well. But in general terms, I recommend that your cold weather training, if it's running and cycling, offers you less structure. Now, does this mean that we go all random? Absolutely not. I really want athletes to execute a lot of their sessions inside. And they get to do that with an optimal environment for you to actually hit the phase-appropriate specific intervals. Super. We then get to support those intervals with more tissue resilience and soul-filling activities, while, of course, amplifying the access to some of the cross-training options that we discussed earlier. Great. Now, for folks who do need some variance in the winter sessions outside, that's when we get to go and mix it up and go and have play. So perhaps you go on a group ride or a hilly mountain bike ride that forces bouts or little episodes of hard work. But I'm typically less inclined to build really specific hill-based intervals or track workouts in the midst of cold weather. That can come. And what we've experienced over many, many years And the observation is, is if we execute really high quality intervals inside, we then have a low instance of tissue injuries, likely from high intensity being done in really cold conditions. But we also then get performance amplification when we transfer those intervals to specific outdoor intervals when, of course, the days get longer and the temperatures start to rise. On top of it, all the athletes like the freedom of play in the winter months and they can really see the progression of the inside-focused intervals. Good. And so there becomes our framework for going outdoors. But if we're going to do that, and we're going to say wrap up warm and make sure you fuel and ensure that you embrace some outside intervals and be willing to give away a little bit of the specificity, go and play, have fun, build natural resilience, etc. What I now need to do is provide some perspective on inside training. Now, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to straddle the performance world of triathletes and runners, as well as folks that are just simply fitness enthusiasts. So you need to bear with me. We're going to discuss four main modalities for today's show. The first, strength. The second, the bike trainer. The third, the treadmill, which I hope by the end of today's show, we convert from dreadmill to treadmill. And also, I'm going to talk about a rowing ergometer. Hmm. Four options. Now, there are other options as well, but these four are going to be our building blocks, our focus of today's show. And as you listen, I, want, I invite you to really start to try and join the dots on how a whole bunch of the work that you're going to do inside directly can be linked to fostering improvement in your performance outside. Whether it's movement patterns, cycling, running, no matter. You see, we don't wanna create a strategy in which you've got a mutually exclusive mindset. We want to link and build a performance program that can foster development and gains across all aspects. And this is really important. So with that in mind, let's dive in. Number one, strength. All right, you might be tired of me saying this, but let me restate a simple fact. There isn't an endurance activity or sport, or in fact, any human being out there who is interested in high life performance, who will not benefit from a dedicated year-round strength training program. Did you hear that? Year-round. Okay, 
But when winter draws in, the natural timing of seasonality and races, I should add, for competing athletes, allow a heightened focus, almost a laser focus, on developing all aspects of proper strength training. And that is namely your stability, your movement patterns, your core, your strength, your mobility. All of these components can and should be a very central focus for the cold weather times. With a likely reduction in outside time, it enables you to optimize your inside time and you can make it a priority. And then as the weather improves and the days get longer, and then, yes, there might be a diminishing focus on strength, but it is not an elimination of focus. And I love athletes to really focus on strength right now. They can dive into proper movements, ensuring that they're really performing the exercises well, burn habits around core mobility and tissue health. And it's no wonder with that in mind that we spend so much time and effort <clears throat> and money, I should say, producing really high quality coached video sessions on strength because they're all really, really important. Now, I promise you, as I talk about this, that you will never, ever integrate proper strength and conditioning when the weather warms up. But once you feel the benefits of adoption of a proper strength training while the weather's really cold, you will not want to let it go. So equally, if you do do it when the cold weather is here, you are never going to want to let it go. And this is how we build performance habits. So what I'm telling you is anchor in, focus on strength now, so that when weather improves, you're like, hey, I've got to hold on to that because I realize now I've had my epiphany and it was right all along. It's actually really beneficial. So the first anchor in our inside training is strength. Now we get to talk about my favorite, the bike trainer. And if you use the bike trainer correctly, it becomes an incredibly powerful fitness and performance tool. But what we want to do is ensure that you appreciate how best to leverage it as a tool. Now, when I talk about bike training, we could say a Peloton here, a spin bike in a hotel, not very pleasant, or of course, a smart bike or a bike on a smart trainer. All of those fit under this bike trainer little label that I'm saying. All right. Now, if you're a fitness enthusiast, this is a hugely valuable modality as a part of an overall global fitness and health program. What it does is it opens the doorway for you to actually execute some really, really powerful and critical high intensity intervals that are safe for you to develop your muscular endurance and not full of injury risk. And by you doing that, it's going to, it is going to integrate into improving other sports, including things like running and hiking. And so you can actually lean into the bike without the fear-inducing elements of things like bike handling, wind, and traffic. It's a really safe and powerful modality. And on the flip side, we've got high-performing training cyclists and triathletes. 
And the bike trainer for these folks, you guys that are the more really serious driven athletes, it provides a controlled environment where you can execute some dedicated interval-based training, but also a massive opportunity for you to improve your pedaling mechanics, your posture, and a wide range of training that's actually really tough to replicate outside. Now, some of that might be things like high-value, high-torque, low-cadence pedaling. Sometimes it's a challenge to get the right hill in the right place and really be able to nail it. For the training, all of those logistical difficulties go away. And so no matter an enthusiast or a training athlete, you want to ensure that if you are going to integrate the bike trainer, you get the best yield from your sessions. And let me tell you, it is a huge miss if you don't put purpose into the training. This is why we're real fans of video-based coaching. Because what a bike trainer session isn't about is just getting a sweat on and working hard. It's actually about doing it right. And by us removing terrain, traffic, and distraction, it opens up a door of opportunity for you. And that door is for you to actually improve your habits around posture, pedal stroke, and the actual development of a toolkit of riding training, where you can then adopt it, become smarter, and actually then go and apply it to your outside riding. And so on the bike trainer, we can't improve your bike handling. It's a static trainer. But what we can do is automate great posture and pedaling. And when you infuse the outside, you become a better bike rider. Oof, it's really good. And that's a big part of the reason that every single purple patch athlete who is more elite in nature always utilizes trainer-based riding. And all of them, absolutely all of them, lean into video-based coaching. And so you have these elite athletes side by side with folks who are absolutely leveraging the same tool while never even riding a bike outside. And there's no better time than cold conditions and dark mornings. It's absolutely the time to lean into the trainer, even if your sport of choice is running. Why? If you're a runner, why would you lean into something like the bike trainer? because you're going to improve at running. And actually, you're probably going to have more fun. And on top of it all, you're going to stay more healthy. Whew. Okay. And speaking of running, let's talk about running. And why don't we hold hands today and convert the dreadmill to the treadmill? A wonderful tool. And I understand it. Most runners despise treadmill sessions. I get it. But also, I think many of these folks lack imagination, or at least an appreciation of how to extract full value and break it up. You see, the treadmill is ultimately a great tool for you to improve your posture and fall. It's also a great venue to get your natural foot speed up, and that's really good, but you can do it without losing your rhythm, your timing, and your flow. Yes, you want your bits and pieces all timing and connected together. And we can do all of this while we strengthen specific running muscles that are often hard for us regular folk to activate. And so it becomes a really powerful addition into your running arsenal. But the key here is two things. Number one, you've got to break it up into heavy variants. And you should also integrate 
grades. Yes, helps. You see, there's very limited value from my perspective in turning your treadmill into life in Florida, dead flat. Instead, I want you to embrace variance for almost every session. So here's a few tips. The first, walk breaks. You can break things up mentally and activate the best running tissue with a smart integration of walk breaks on a treadmill. Now outside, it's a management tool, but inside it becomes a form and technique promoter. Hmm, what am I talking about? Well, here's the way that we might often prescribe it. I might have you running at a 1% grade, but then I want you to break up that running with some smooth, focused, dedicated hill-based walking. Perhaps you're doing two, three, four minutes of walking with great purpose, great posture, but a percentage grade of 4 to 8%. And what this does is it activates the muscles down your posterior chain. And far from being hard, you can walk with vigor and then drop the grade and take the activation, ramp your speed, and feel real flow in your run. This is a really hard thing to replicate outside, but a really useful thing to actually help you engage and promote better running form inside. Super. Now, you can also, of course, do this with hill-based running intervals. This is often for slightly stronger athletes. But if you integrate hill-based grades, either very short and steep grades or longer intervals at a shallower grade, and then bridge these with 1% form-based running between, boom, you have a massive performance enhancer. So what do I mean by this? Well, if you're doing some short high power stuff, that might be 8, 9, 10% grade, but you're only going to be running no more than that top end, a minute at that type of grade. Beyond it, you're doing longer intervals at form-based running at 4, 5, or 6%. And that's because you can integrate all of the elements of good running form without shifting into kind of a step-up running style. In other words, we still get to activate the posterior chain, while getting the strength and posture and form promotion of the grade. Finally, on a treadmill, a dose of speed. Yes, while seeking to retain fluid running and great timing and connection, the moving belt aspect of a treadmill is an ideal environment to hit some higher speed work. Now, once again, you want to bridge any intervals with really nice form retention, either walk breaks or smooth running, so that you can ensure that your activation transfers into really nice fluid form-based running at a regular level. But globally, when you take these three elements of a treadmill, what you've got is a great tool. It's not one that I tend to use for extended running or walking but you can gain massive amounts from just 10, 20, 30, up to 60 minutes of treadmill running while, of course, infusing walk breaks to help promote your form and technique. That's a really, really nice tool that's supportive, particularly in cold weather training. And you do all of that without feeling like you're a hamster on a wheel. Great, super stuff. So now our final indoor talk. And the one that we've been utilizing quite a bit over the last few years, a rowing ergometer, particularly useful for the fitness enthusiasts. Now, this isn't great for everyone, 
but it's a great option to have. And I won't spend long on this, but suffice to say that short sessions, 10 to 30 minutes in duration, can be a huge supplement for you. And similar to the impact of hill-based walking, as well as hill-based running, the ERG, or the rowing ERG, as I should say, is going to promote recruitment and conditioning on the posterior chain of your muscles. And that's really nice cross-pollination to things like skiing, running, cycling. Yes, so many of the sports interact with each other, can support each other. Now, of course, this can be really tough, but it is truly a leg-driven all-body activity, and it promotes huge conditioning as well as great muscular recruitment and endurance. And so whether you're a fitness enthusiast or a training athlete, adding some rowing in the cold weather months might really be something to consider. And that's it, folks. That's cold weather training. You want to dress for it. You want to have fun. But you want to show that you stay fueled and you embrace the mix-up of disciplines. And then you gain highly specific intervals and strength work with some of the shorter sessions that you execute indoors. All great stuff. And they all tie together to make your own performance recipe that is ultimately going to lead you to your best performance in whether it's your chosen sport or life. I hope that helps. All right, before I say goodbye to finish the day today, I hear that jingling of nervous incitement from you. Yes, because it is, ladies and gentlemen, another return. It is the Peter Minute. He's back. And as promised, we are going to track Peter again for season two of our addition to the podcast, The Peter Minute. And while the quest has evolved, last one in season one, we anchored his journey towards a 50-mile running race in the trails of Oregon. We now are tracking in towards something quite different, a seven-day riding challenge through the Alps in August. Even though it's different, the inspiration and the lessons, I'm sure, remain the same. So where is Peter on his journey so far? Well, it's January, and at last check, Peter was in the, what we might call, contemplation stage. But now, with only seven months to go, you're all excited to know that Peter has now moved to action. There's no waiting for the last-minute quick fixes from this sage and wise athlete. His first action to get going? Online shopping, new bib shorts, cycling gloves, helmet, and a few other apparel pieces. A gentleman needs to look good. He even went out and got a new Garmin computer. Now, feeling the part is important to Peter. New threads, new toys. Now he is walking the walk. Even more encouraging than this, he's even commenced activity. There's been a few runs and several bike rides, and that has boosted his early season fitness. And while maybe a little aggressive in his ramp, he exited with some great early progress. His longest ride so far, three hours. And that means that he has competed training for about one third of one day of seven days of riding. That means he has managed to accomplish one twentieth of the competition requirement. As we like to say, Rome wasn't built in the day. And they also say that the hardest step is always the first. So I'd like to congratulate Peter on getting going. Now, as I record this, Peter is currently 
taking the third and fourth pillar really seriously. He's having a nice lie-in and a little bit of a down day. Oh, and also he's going to embrace a nice fine evening meal at his favorite restaurant. He just feels like he needs a little me time. But we do look forward to the journey ahead. And so, folks, that's the first installment of the Peter Minute, but it's also the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed. As ever, we are here to support. Reach out anytime. Info at purplepatchfitness.com. And all I have to say is cheers, stay safe, and take care. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review the show. The Apple Podcast link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Cheers.